This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Are you looking for some wool for your little ones on your next adventure? Try Ella's Wool. We've been using Ella's Wool since Rory was two months old, and I can say that he's always snug and cozy when he's in his Ella's Wool on our outside adventures. The moisture wicking material is sure to keep your little one comfortable on their next adventure. Whether it's around the block or trekking to the top of a mountain, Ella's Wool will have your little ones covered. Use code HIKINGTHROUGHLIFE2020 to save 10% off your order. Go to ellaswool.com and use the code HIKINGTHROUGHLIFE2020 to save 10% off your next order. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share, or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Caitlin Fortier. Caitlin is an avid national park and road tripping expert who has a love for the outdoors. She has covered thousands of miles and slept outside many nights. On her blog, Expedition Education, she shares travel guides and tips on outdoor adventure travel. We are excited to hear some stories, tips, and experiences from Caitlin today, including a failed attempt at a thru-hike of the Northville Placid Trail. Welcome to the podcast, Caitlin. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. That's a great intro. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have lots of fun things to pull from your blog, so it wasn't hard to make a great intro. (laughs) We do a lot of cool stuff on our time off. So <laughs> yeah, you guys do. So, and you're, you're a teacher, as we were talking about before we kind of started, um, you do most of your travels with your, is it fiance? Yes. My, my now fiance. <laughs> okay. Is it recent fiance? Um, we actually got engaged last summer in Theodore Roosevelt national park. Okay. I knew it was going to be some exciting <laughs> adventure. Yeah. So fairly recently, fairly recently. Um, okay. Let's hear the story of the engagement. So we were in Theodore Roosevelt national park. It was our second national park on our road trip from New York out to like Wyoming and back. Um, and we went for a very, very long, hot 12 mile hike earlier that day. I had just straight like sunburn mark on my legs from my shorts, like pasty, pasty white, and then pink, pink, pink despite some block, I'm like, oh God, this is going to be a great start to the next two weeks of hiking and living outside. And we're like, all right, let's go for a sunset hike and we'll make dinner and we'll just watch the sunset um, at Sparati Point in Theodore Roosevelt National Park. So we get out there, there's a massive buffalo, a bison, just laying in the middle of the trail. And we're like, oh, 
guess we'll just go around him. So we went like way out of the way, looped around. We get out to our spot and I like take my jet boil out of the bag, take my backpacker meal out of the bag. I'm, I'm starting to cook. And Spencer, uh, my fiance is the one who takes most of my photos. He has a nice little camera and he starts setting up his tripod and all that stuff. So that's nothing out of the, out of the blue, nothing out of the normal. Um, and he's like, what, like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm getting our, I'm getting our dinner ready. What do you mean? He's like, well, can you hurry up? I'm like, I gotta wait, I gotta wait for the water to boil. He was like rushing me. And I was like, I, there's nothing else I can do. And then finally I water boils, right. I pour it in the pouch, close the pouch up. And I'm like, all right, like, what do you want? He's like, let's, let's take some pictures while the, you know, while the sun is still really nice. So I was like, all right. So I set my phone up also at a different angle and I normally wear an Apple watch so I can just like tap it and take photos every three seconds. So I went to go take a photo and I was like, oh, not like that. Let's turn this way. And, and then I went to go look down at my watch to take another photo and he was on one day. <laughs> so I spun around, you know, the typical hands over the face, you get a good cry in there, all is well and good, but it was a, a beautiful, beautiful spot, gorgeous night. There's nobody else there. Um, and then we got to eat a little backpackers pad thai. <laughs> we watched the sunset. Perfect. It's like the yep. perfect way to celebrate. <laughs> exactly, right? We're like, oh, this is a fancy engagement dinner. Uh, and then we hiked back to the car and back around the bison and cleaned up in the national park bathrooms and got back to our tent. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's like the perfect adventure engagement story. Like my husband and I were engaged when we were like on a backpacking trip camping too, and just like sweaty and dirty, but it's just like the best thing. If you're into that, it's just like the norm and it's just awesome. Yeah. It's us. It's <laughs> us. And we didn't have service for the next like two days. So nobody knew it was great. Yeah. It was awesome. Right. Well, that's like the best too. And you can kind of just like soak in it together and not like get all involved with like telling everyone and like sharing it all over social media or whatever it is that you're going to do. And it's just like, just enjoy the moment together for a few days. Exactly. And then as soon as we were driving around, you know, call my mom, call my dad, share it. So then the whole drive from North Dakota, like into Montana and into Yellowstone was just endless dings, phone calls, people, you know, commenting on Instagram. And I'm like, oh God, I can't even keep up with all these because we're about to not have service again for five days. <laughs> so anybody out there who commented and I didn't comment back, that's why I had no service. <laughs> right. Yeah. So let's talk about that too. How did you get like involved in your whole like social media blogging, like all of this, like you have seem to have a pretty big following, have like a huge blog going and Let's talk about that. Yeah, I so I didn't really get into the outdoors until I was in my 20s. So my college where I was went to school to be a phys ed teacher, part of our curriculum was a two-week um, summer class in the Adirondacks where we spend a week in camp learning all the hard skills, doing team building stuff, uh, learning about the Adirondacks and ethics of outdoors and all that stuff that is so important that I think a lot of people miss out on because they don't have that opportunity unless they choose to like seek it out. Well, yeah, for a phi ed teacher, I don't know that I've ever heard that that's a requirement for people. Is that like normal? The So the school that I went to for phys ed is one of the best um, in the Northeast. It's a, it's a state school at New York. So I went to SUNY Cortland, um, shout out Red Dragons. And 
it's it's known for its athletics and, and physical education majors. So um, the backpacking portion, like the outdoor ed portion, that was our like one outdoor ed class, but it was really cool because we just emerged in it all. And then the second week that we're in camp, we actually go out on like a five day backpacking trip in a group of like six to eight people. And you can choose between like paddling or hiking, um, a combination of both. So it's, it's awesome. Um, and as somebody who didn't grow up in the outdoors, it was very intimidating leading up to it. But then once I finished that class, I was like, all right, outside life is for me. That's that. <laughs> so like, did they just kind of send you out with like the group by yourself or did you have like your course leader there or yeah, was it just yeah. like, so there was like one main course leader and they're a teacher, you know, a professor at our school. And then people come back as, um, like as teachers to that course, like after they graduate, I went back a couple years after to be a, a teacher's aide and I helped run a group and helped with some other stuff in camp throughout the two weeks. And so, no, we went out with actually one of our professors. He comes out for the May session and he was on our trip with us. So we do have somebody who really knows what they're doing with us, but they kind of just sit back and we get graded on our soft skills and our hard skills while we're out there. So that's how I really got into it and was really introduced to like the Adirondack Park here in New York. And then um, a couple years later, got my teaching job and decided that I wanted to start keeping track of my hikes and my travels. Um, because before I was, I guess, outdoorsy, we could say, I traveled in other aspects with my family, whether we were going to like an all-inclusive resort or I've been to Europe with my mom. So just, just started writing a blog. <laughs> right. Yeah. It looked like you had done like international travels and then just like there was amusement parks that you had been to. And Oh, I love roller coasters. Yeah. <laughs> Big thrill seeker. Right. I can imagine if, yeah, you go to all these amusement parks. And so with the height, I'm curious too, like with being a phi ed teacher and like doing all the hiking, do you like kind of compete with yourself when you're out hiking and like try to like meet personal goals constantly? Yes. Yeah. I, we actually just went on a hike last weekend. Um, and my fiance is also a phys ed teacher and he, his big thing is mountain Wait, biking. Wait, not at the same school, right? No, no, no. Okay. He coaches at my school, but he's a phys ed teacher somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. This it's, small world, right? We all got to be athletic here. Um, and he is, he's big into mountain biking. So I mountain bike with him. I'm big into hiking. He'll hike with me. And I'm like hauling butt up this mountain. And he's like, can you just slow it down? Like, it's just a little, just a little bit. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Sorry. So I am definitely a big time. Like I love hiking with other people and I love hiking with my friends, but I have to like tone it down. Cause when I hike by myself, I'm like, yeah, like go be fast. Like I want to be, I want to be tired. I try to challenge myself with, I did like a 25 mile four high peak day, like a couple years ago and was really excited about my time, just like personal things, but yeah, I'm very self-competitive. <laughs> right. I bet. So, well, I mean, usually like through hikers are, and then like, we're going to talk about like your failed attempt at the Northfield trail, but how, is there other through hikes that you've done? Um, just, just like backpacking trips for five, six, two days of, sometimes it's hiking through like point to point, but nothing that I would look at and consider like, oh, this is a through hike per se. Okay. Right. Well, yeah. Cause like when I think through hike, it's like from start to finish and yes. 
Okay. Yeah. So, so I definitely backpacking trips for sure. But um, the Northfield Placid Trail was my first and only like attempt at a through hike. Just as much as they give you a lot of time off with teaching, right? You get a lot of time off. Sometimes it's not enough for those things when other aspects of life come into play. So that was my one and only attempt, but I I'm going to try again. <laughs> well, and it sounds like the perfect amount of, I mean, it's under 200 miles, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, so the Northville Placid Trail is in the Adirondacks and it's like a lowland hike. So yes, there's elevation gain, but you're never um, like summiting any mountains or, or any of that. Um, it's 138 miles from the town of Northville, which is in the Southern Adirondacks. And it treks all up through different wilderness areas um, to the town of Lake Placid. But yeah, it's, it's 138 miles. There's some road hiking to, you know, get from one trail to the next. But you don't even really hike through any towns. Um, you, you could spur trail off to towns in certain places. Um, but it's just, you know, your, your typical through hike, a shorter one for sure. But it was a good time. <laughs> So with planning that, and if there's not really like, if you're not going through like towns and stuff, did you, when planning it, did you like drop packages at certain points or like resupplies? Yeah, I attempted my Northwood Placid Trail hike with actually my best friend from college who also really loves the outdoors. Um, And when we sat back to plan, we thought about that. Um, and we decided to actually just carry our, all of our food with us for the whole, we had it planned out for nine days and knew that we could take 10 if we needed. Um, so we just kind of packed enough food for all 10 of those days, knowing that we could hike into a couple different towns and, and resupply at like a Stewart's gas station if we really needed to. Yeah. And I mean, 10 days sounds super doable. Cause you think of people who go on like the AT, like they have like 12, 13 days of no resupplies. So yeah, that's pretty normal. Mm-hmm. We had more than enough food and we wound up having to leave the trail early, but we like halfway through, we looked at each other and we're like, Oh, we have way too much food, <laughs> like way too, way too much food. But I guess better to be overprepared than underprepared. I would say so, especially when you're out hiking and sometimes yeah. like the only way to get you through like all those miles in a day is to like, just eat another snack, eat another snack. Yep. Just, keep sna- <laughs> just keep snacking. Like Nemo just keeps swimming, yeah. just keep snacking. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So you guys, we're going to go for 10 days. Um, what other planning was involved other than the food? Like, were you doing any training leading up to this or were you just, I mean, you had already, you're a fire teacher. I don't know how much training you really had to do. <laughs> yeah. So we're my, my best friend from college, as you would imagine, is also a phys ed teacher. So we're both in pretty good shape um, as far as just staying active in our own rights. Um, and, you know, I did a little bit of training, just like going on really long walks, around like my town with a backpack on just to add a little weight and hike further, but just going for day hikes that were a little longer or day hikes with a heavier pack. Aside from training, we sat down one morning. Actually, I think she came over to watch like Game of Thrones. She lives like an hour and a half away. And in the morning we sat down with the Northville Placid Trail map and just tried to map out like how far are we going to go each day? What lean to or um, the campsite are we going to try to get to? What are we going to bring? Are we bringing tents or hammocks? Um, 
what are we going to share? What's going to be our own? So just that type of planning. So realistically, the planning portion for it wasn't anything more or less. Actually, it was easier than like planning our national park road trips. Because um, you're like, oh, this is the trail. I have no other options. I just have to figure out where I'm sleeping each day. Right, right. And you don't even need to make reservations for it. <laughs> nope. I'm just sleeping in the woods. <laughs> so yeah, the planning was was fairly easy. Um, it was fun to try and figure out like, all right, this shelter to this shelter would be this far. But then there were a couple of times where we would get to the shelter we had planned for that night and it would only be, you know, like four o'clock in the afternoon. So we would look at each other and be like, how do you feel? You want to hike a little more? You want to stay here? And then we would just, you know, push on to the next one or. Okay. So how many days did you end up being out there and what was it that made you stop? Yeah. So we were out there for five days, um, 83 miles in, we actually got picked up at a a spot that crosses the road at um, Lake Durant campground, which is in Blue Mountain Lake area of the Adirondacks. And on day two, three, on day three, uh, we hiked a big section of road um, in the town of Pasico, which is barely a town uh, for, (laughs) for lack of better terms. And once we just dipped back into the woods there, we probably got like three miles in. We were pretty close to our shelter for the night. And my knee just really started bothering me. Um, you know, like as a phys ed teacher, I'm a runner. I lift weights. I played volleyball in college. So, um, yeah, my knees bother me here and there, but never anything really that bad. And it was just like a little limpy. Luckily, checking poles helped. So we got to our shelter and uh, my friend Maddie kind of just did all of the chores around shelter and I just only helped like hang the bear bag. And then we went to bed and I was like, well, fingers crossed when I wake up in the morning, like it doesn't hurt that bad. I took a couple ibuprofen and the next day woke up and didn't hurt at all. So I was like, all right, maybe I just maybe walking on the road in my boots or something, you know, just didn't feel great. So day four was fine. We hiked all the way to our next shelter, um, which we wound up sharing with a couple of uh, paddlers who had brought like real food with them. So they grilled steaks and potatoes and they shared with us, which was amazing because we were like real food. (laughs) So that was amazing. Um, and we slept there for the night and then day five, uh, we got maybe two or three miles into our hike and my knee just started bothering me again. And I think I, I think I cried for the next 10 miles that we hiked just because I knew that, I wasn't going to be able to keep going. So when we, um, we got to a little spot about three miles from the Lake Durant campground, um, we got to Stevens pond and there was some service there. So we actually called Maddie's mom and it was her birthday. So the poor woman drove like three miles to come pick us up on her birthday. Um, <laughs> three miles isn't terrible. I mean, sorry, three hours, three hours. Oh, okay. Okay. Not miles, not miles. Sorry, thinking miles, three hours, three hours to pick us up on her birthday. So we went, we drove to Lake Placid cause that's where um, Maddie's car was since we left one car at one end and we had a nice dinner for her birthday, which was great. And then we, uh, we drove back to my car and then I drove home just crying the whole ride home. Cause I was so sad cause we were so close and it was so much fun, but it just means I get to do it again, I guess. Right. So yeah, five days in. So you were almost halfway, I guess. Um, 
We were over, we were over halfway. So we were 83, we were 83 miles into the hike when we had to leave. And, and the total hike is the trip. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we only had a couple of days left and everybody who has hiked it is like, oh, that portion of the trail is the prettiest. I'm like, great. Thanks. Way to rub it in. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, you must've been, yeah. I mean, you said that you were cried like the whole way back. That is quite a bummer, but at least it wasn't like you got, you got off because you were listening to your body. Whereas yeah, like yeah. some people like, cause they're so competitive with themselves. They might've like just kept going. Yeah. I, I thought about it, but I was like, no, not worth it. And then I wound up just being like, well, like a baker's cyst and just overuse. So, uh, I wound up going to like an urgent care a couple of days later and they x-rayed it and took a look at it. And then, you know, after through hiking, your feet are disgusting. <laughs> And the, the, the nurse at urgent care was like, I know you came in for your knees, like, but I think I'm going to give you something for your toe because that can get infected. So I was like, okay. (laughs) So like, was it just like overgrown toenails or like nails falling off? Yeah. I lost my pinky toenail, but it was really just blisters that wound up, you know, coming off. And, and it's so funny too, because both of us wound up, um, having gross feet throughout the whole hike. And we took care of them every night, you know, in our lean to cleaning them, band-aids, whatever. But, and we both are like, our boots are so comfy. Like I've hiked 24 mile days in my boots without a single blister. But then when you just add 35 plus pounds and you go in 20 mile days, day after day after day, I guess your feet don't like it. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, and like, you don't even, if you're used to hiking that much, you don't necessarily think about what could be happening. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's something that I've already said. If I, if I attempt again, I'm going to wear my hiking sneakers instead of my hiking boots because I think it'll be better. Yeah. So my husband through hiked the superior hiking trail here in Minnesota, which is longer than the Northville trail, but he started out with boots and started to get lots of just like blisters and really sore feet and switched to like trail runners and ended up being so much better. Yeah. We hiked past a couple people in trail runners and they just had like little trail runner gaiters over them to keep, you know, sticks and rocks and all that stuff out of the shoe. And my friend and I both looked at each other and we're like, Oh, that was the move. We messed up. (laughs) We should have done that. Um, so definitely just looked so much more comfortable and there's a couple of sections where you hike like three to four miles on the road. And I think hiking your boots on the road just isn't enjoyable. And I think being in trail runners would just be a lot more comfortable. Right. Well, boots are just like so clunky and heavy and especially if it's hot, what time of year were you doing this? Um, it was July. Okay. So I mean, and, but there's a lot of water around there. So was it breezy? What's that like? Hot and humid and so many bugs. <laughs> oh, sounds like Minnesota in July. Yeah. <laughs> Hot and humid with so, so, so many bugs. Oh, it was one of those things where I wore a long sleeve. I wear a long sleeve hiking shirt all summer long. Cause I am very pasty. Um, and I am friends with sunblock, but I don't like to wear sunblock when I'm being active because I hate when you sweat and it like runs off of you. So I can handle the sunblock on my legs, but I don't like it on the rest of my body. So I wear, you know, a typical like brimmed hat and long sleeves. And then I just wear shorts um, 
And so my legs were eaten alive by mosquitoes and horse flies, but like my arms and the rest, I would spray my hat with bug spray. So that kind of kept a nice little like aura. <laughs> but my friend was hiking in a tank top and she was just eaten alive every day by the bugs. Yeah. So it doesn't go up any like mountain ranges. Nope. It's just a, just a lower elevation point to point hike kind of weaving through um, lots of bodies of water. Like the West Canada lakes area was gorgeous. Um, lots of streams. Uh, we had to cross a river on our very first day. So that was actually really fun. We just threw our chacos on and walked right through it. <laughs> like, so it was pretty shallow. It wasn't like danger. Yeah, at, at most, if it was going to be any deeper than like our knee, we found a rock to step on instead, you know, but it was, it was, it was nice. Then we sat there with our feet in the water and just ate lunch. So <laughs> yeah, those are the best lunch spots just to like hang out cool off, splash your face. Yep. Simple, simple pleasures. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So would you say that this trail is ideal for like beginner hikers? If you were a beginner through hiker, um, like someone who has done a couple backpacking trips that were maybe not anything crazy, but you were looking to do a through hike. Um, I would say it could be a really good option for you. There's a lot of different shelters along the way, whether you're looking to be in a, a lean-to or set up a tent or like a hammock set up. Um, and there's not a whole lot of elevation gain. You know, it's very up and down, but it's not, you know, you're not traveling 2,000 feet up and then 2,000 feet down. And then, so that part definitely would make it friendly for, um, for beginners. But it's definitely, you know, I mean, as most all through hikes are like wilderness areas. You gotta, you definitely have to be prepared and know what you're doing and all of that. But if you have camped like backpack before, and that's something you're looking to get into, I would say it's a good start. Right. Well, as far as wildlife, it's black bear up there, correct? Yeah. Yep. Black bears. And then just other animals want to eat your food, but not you. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So, and what year did you try to do this? Oh, uh, we did this in July of 2019. Okay. So when do you think you'll attempt again? So my fiance and I have not finalized our plans for this summer yet. We can't decide if we want to road trip out West again, like we did last year, or if we want to stick to the East coast and maybe um, start chipping away at some of the Northeast 111 hikes, the mountains. Um, but depending on that, I would try this August if we have the time and if I'm home try and maybe drag him with me but if not I'll go by myself um and then if not this summer then hopefully next summer yeah well and like because I guess you have to go with the summer with like a teaching schedule but if you can do it like quick enough you could probably even like do it over like a fall break or like a winter break <laughs> yeah I would I would love to do it uh in the fall that would be ideal just temperature and bug wise but I don't have enough days off in a row you know at school to do it I could probably do it over spring break but then you're messing with water being at its highest points and so who knows I would probably attempt it again in the summer okay yeah the summer the hot bugs yeah here summers are July summers are pretty miserable too sounds very similar <laughs> yeah it was it was definitely had its very miserable moments but it was one of those like well if I'm gonna be out here dripping in sweat and being eaten alive might as well be day after day after day after day <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and it was at the point where even like nights you know you think like oh I'm in the mountains the nights will be cooler 
Nope. But we wanted to, like, I would sleep in my sleeping bag with my bug net over my head just to try and keep bugs off of me while sleeping. But it was so hot that I wanted to be out of my sleeping bag. We were really met with some tough. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause, and this was cause you guys were, you were in the lean twos. You'd never set up a tent. One, our very first night out, we actually slept um, in our hammocks. We decided to bring hammocks instead of a tent since we really only planned on sleeping in them one night. Um, and they're a little lighter. So all of our other nights we were in lean twos, which are just obviously open faced. Anything can, anything can come in and join you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they make hammocks with like the bug nets too. Did you yeah. guys have so, the bug net on yours? In our hammocks, we were fine. I actually took my hammock from my bug net and put my whole body in it <laughs> to sleep one night. But you know, the bugs can still bite you through it if they yeah. want But I was like, maybe it'll do something for me. <laughs> I was, I was desperate to not be so hot in my sleeping bag, but to also not be eaten alive while I was asleep. Right. Right. Those, yeah, those are the, <laughs> those are the issues that you deal with out there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I totally see why you would bring a hammock over a tent just for weight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm guessing food was the most weight that you were carrying in terms of like all of your stuff in your pack. Yeah. So food was heavy. Um, we each had a bear, like a small bear bag with like our, our snacks and stuff inside. And then we each also had a bear can because the end portion of the Northville Placid Trail goes through um, the Adirondack High Peak Wilderness area. And you are required to have a bear can in those in the High Peak Wilderness area um, for overnight trips. And that's actually waived for Northville Placid Hiker hikers on that trail. Um, you don't have to have one, but just in our experience being in the high peaks, we thought it would be a better idea to have one than not. Um, so they're actually pretty heavy. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's called a bear keg. So it's not even like a screw off can. They have like little slits in the top and you use like a quarter. Don't use a knife. I've done that and slice my finger open, use a quarter to undo the top. But um, yeah, the bears have gotten too smart up there and they will like wedge your bear can between a tree and use their paws to twist it open. So you are required to use a bear keg in the high peak wilderness. So we actually packed them since the last two nights we're going to be in the wilderness area. Um, so they're just so heavy and don't fit a lot of food for how heavy they are. How heavy are they? That's a good question. I would have to look up the exact weight of what they are, but like you pick one up full of food and you're like, oh, <laughs> you like shove it into your backpack. <laughs> like this sucks. <laughs> right. Well, and they probably take up, well, you said they're not that big, so they didn't take up too much space. If you turn it, you know, so that it's horizontal, it is the width of your bag. It's like, it's a, it's a thick wall to prevent the bears from being able to get into it. So it's heavy and the can itself is a decent size. Like it takes up decent space. You just can't fit a lot in it because it's so thick. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a big downfall. Like, but I mean, for your safety, it, I, yeah. <laughs> I guess you can't really compromise that. Exactly. We probably would have been okay with like one bear can to split between the two of us for that last, for that last night. Um, especially given the fact that it's waved for through hikers up there, you know, we probably could have put like deodorant, toothpaste, all that type of stuff just in the bear bag and hung it and we would have been okay, but we were being extra cautious. I think I'd be less cautious my next time around just because it was, it's so heavy for not a lot of 
space. Like not, it doesn't hold a lot of food for how heavy it is. Right. Right. Well, and I mean, when it's black bears, like black bears typically aren't going, aren't going to be a threat to humans. They just typically want your food. Exactly. And all of my time that I've spent up in the Adirondacks, I've seen one black bear and it's been driving on the road. (laughs) So I'm going to take my chances. I think I'll just hang my bear bag and do my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like here in Minnesota too. Like there's black bears all over, but like people see black bears more like in neighborhoods nowadays than out in the wilderness. Yep. The one that I saw, I was, we were actually, it was when I TA'd for that class that I was talking about that I took in college. We were driving back after we took our group out on their trip and uh, we're the leader and I were awake. The boys were all asleep. We actually had a group of six boys on a, on an Adirondack high peak trip. So that was very funny. And the two of us were girls, the leaders. So (laughs) just so they're like, this is so hard. Um, we're just trekking along. Come on guys, you can do it. But we're awake. We're like, Oh, look, a bear. And it runs away. They all wake up. I'm like, well, you missed it. <laughs> so she get for sleeping boys. Exactly. She just stayed awake. That's the only bear I've seen up there. Yeah. The only one that's crazy. Well, you never know. So tell like the Adirondacks is a whole park, a whole area. What, what can you tell us about the Adirondacks? Um, the Adirondacks are amazing. So the Adirondacks are 6 million acres, um, in like Northern New York. It's the largest, largest protected area in the lower 48. So it's really neat in that there are like a ton of towns within the park, so many different wilderness areas, there's over 2,000 ponds and lakes and like over 3,000 miles of streams and rivers. There's really everything like Lake Placid has hosted the Winter Olympics twice. Um, there's a lot of other amazing little towns. It's home to Lake George, which some people know for vacationing purposes, like a big place to go out and go boating. But it's also home to the Adirondack uh, High Peak. So there's 46 of them. And they fall into the Northeast 111, uh, which includes the 4,000 footers from Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. Um, So there's just so much to do in the Adirondacks. And it's really, um, really cool. It's bigger than like Yellowstone, the Everglades, and the Grand Canyon all combined. I didn't know it was that big. Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's It's 6 million acres of protected forest land. It's just a, it's a New York State park, but because people live in the park. Um, it's not like your typical, like, oh, here I am at the toll booth, pay my fee and come in. Like you just go. And sometimes parking areas have, you know, have stations for you to pay at, but uh, it's just a big old outdoor playground for climbers, paddlers, hikers, mountain bikers, um, snowers and snowboarders and skiers. We just went snowboarding yesterday at Gore Mountain in the Adirondack. Yeah. I mean, I, so I drove through there a couple of years ago. We drove through there and I just remember, yeah, like all these like really nice, like fancier towns, like on the boat, like with like the boats. And then like, you would just like drive through like nothingness for miles and miles yeah. and miles. And there was like all these little pull-offs that you could just pull off and camp and Mm -hmm. it was just packed with people out there but you could always find like a private enough spot to camp it Mm -hmm. seemed yeah I I we we camp a lot in the summer um we used to do a lot of backpacking up there and we still do because we're still working on our Adirondack 46 so those 46 4,000 footers 
And some of them are in the back country. So it's just easier if you go out and sleep for the night and then, you know, bag a couple of peaks, come back, sleep and hike out. Um, but now we joke that we're old and we're like, we'll just car camp and then we'll just do a long day hike. <laughs> we're like, we're like I, want my, I want my car, which means I can have like a full stove and I can make real food. And so we, there's a ton of places to camp. Um, one of my like most popular blog posts is about free camping in the Adirondacks, like free campsites that you can find there. Um, but it's really, it's just, it's such an amazing place. And it's so cool that it's, an hour and a half away from where we live. And I think a lot of people, when they think of New York, obviously they're like, oh, the city, maybe some of them think of Niagara Falls, but it's like, you got some serious mountains and serious outdoor recreation here taking over, you know, a quarter of the state. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's where my mind went before I like experienced the Adirondack area for a little bit of time. Like I just would think of the city and didn't know that there was all this beautiful nature there. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely the thing that keeps us on the East Coast, I guess, is, well, we, we got the Adirondacks, we got the mountains an hour and a half from our house, so it can't be too bad. Okay, and you said you're trying to get the, so there's 46 peaks there, and you're trying to reach all of them? Yeah, so there's 46 4,000 footers. Um, so there's way more than just 46 mountains, but for out of 4,000 footers, there's 46 of them. Um, they're called the Adirondack 46ers. And I have been working on them now since my senior year of college. So after I took that class, uh, that next fall, my now fiance and I actually went on an overnight backpacking trip, like Columbus day weekend and, and got a bunch of them. And, uh, we've just been kind of chipping away at them ever since, but, we're not in any real rush to finish them. So there's a, there's a fire tower challenge too. So there's 20, 20 something, 28, maybe 28 fire towers in the Adirondacks um, that are on top of mountains. So that's an, a, another challenge. You can hike all 28 fire towers. So we kind of do a little bit of everything. And is this one of those things where you can like get like a patch for doing yeah. all of them? Yeah. Yep. So you can get a patch for the 46. There's a bunch of different challenges where you can get patches. Um, like I was talking about the town of Lake Placid. Um, Lake Placid has like the Niners challenge. Uh, so you can get a patch if you hike all nine of, you know, those mountains. Saranac Lake has a challenge. There's the Lake George 12 stir. A couple of the small towns have like triads and like the Fulton chain trifecta. So there's a lot of different fun things that you can do. Some of those smaller ones are really good for like families because they're really small mountains that have easier trails. But uh, yeah, lots of different patch options in the Adirondacks. Yes, yes. I know everyone loves their patches. We're like, we're part of this like hiking club trail here in Minnesota and we're slowly just trying to go to all the state parks and get all of the trails so we can earn mm -hmm. our patches. Yeah, see, it's so cool. It's one of those things where some people I think like to hate on the patches, but it gives people motivation or ideas even like, what am I going to do next? Oh, this is a good idea. Right. And it's just like a fun goal. It's like a game to accomplish. It's like people like their video games. This mm -hmm. is like a game for hikers, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I think like uh, a big thing in the Adirondacks is mud season. So in the spring, you know, with the snow melt and the rain, um, try to keep people out of the 4,000 footers just because of trail erosion and um and they're getting a lot of traffic these days a lot more than they used to 
So, you know, a fun thing to do during mud season is just to look at one of those other challenges and say like, all right, well, these mountains are all below 4,000 feet because they're part of this challenge and not the 46er challenge. So let's do these this spring instead of, you know, going where I'm not supposed to and hiking at high elevation during mud season. So. Right. Right. Well, and then in winter are like avalanches a big concern there? They're not a big concern. I mean, I wouldn't say they never happen, um, but it's not not as prevalent, I would say, as like out west in those mountains. Okay. Okay. And you guys said you do a lot of snowboarding. Uh, yes. We snowboard whenever we can get out there. It's tough with the last two seasons because you have to buy your tickets really far in advance uh, before they sell out. Um, whereas you used to be able to just, you know, walk up to the window. Here I am. Can I ski for the day or board for the day? But uh, yeah, we actually just went yesterday to Gore. A couple weeks ago, we went to Macaulay, which is also in the the Adirondacks. So there's a lot of really nice options there, but I still, I would rather hike in the winter than snowboard anyways. And are you hike or snowshoeing? Um, combination of both fresh snow, snowshoeing. Sometimes the snow is packed from people snowshoeing on it and then not having snow and it being like cold. So the snow is hard and crispy. <clears throat> and then you just kind of have to rock your micro spikes and uh, you just hike up without anything else, just micro spikes. Right. I know. Yeah. Like sometimes snowshoes are like way more extreme than you need at all on your trail. And you're like, why did I even do this? I look like a goofball out here. We last weekend, we hiked a, a 46er in the snow just for fun. And we wore our micro spikes, but brought our snowshoes, you know, just to be safe, but we did not need them. <laughs> Yeah. I totally did that on a trail last week, last weekend too, like in Northern Minnesota, like just, just in case you never know. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, I guess I had them good training. They're heavy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as far as like hiking in the winter, um, I mean, I, I do like a bunch of layering too and hiking in the mm -hmm. winter, but like, what are some of your like best tips for getting out in the winter and proper layering? I think if you, if you're somebody who wants to get out in the winter, like you have to perfect your layering system. And for years, I just didn't find, I hadn't found anything, any combination that I really liked. Um, like I would try like wool base layers from like smart wool because they're so popular, you know, people love them. And I have friends who rave about them, but I could never fit them like over my thighs, but then have them fit my waist. So I was like, these suck, I hate them. Like. They're not, they're not working for me. Um, but I, I recently found, um, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of Kari Tra. No, she's like an Olympic skier from Norway, Sweden, well, Sweden, Norway. I don't know. Either way, her brand of base layers is amazing. Those countries just like know what they're doing with the outdoors right, they in general. Know what they're doing. Like I, everything. Exactly. And I since I since I discovered my very first pair, I think I now have like four wool base layers and one performance base layer from that company. And depending on the weather, I wear, you know, the wool bottoms and wool top. Underneath the wool top, I wear just like a typical like collared Under Armour style shirt. Um, and then I'll put fleece over it on top and then either a puffy vest or a puffy jacket. If it's freezing puffy jacket, if it's decent out, like in the thirties, I'll wear the vest. Cause once you start hiking, you get warm and I just pack the puffy jacket. Um, and then as for the bottoms over the wool layer, if it's in like the thirties, I just wear rain pants. Cause once my legs are moving, they're going to be warm anyways. And if it's, um, 
and it's very cold. So the other day we hiked in like negative, we started our hike and it was in the negative, like negative eight, negative nine. So I actually, I didn't wear a wool base layer. I wore my performance base layer. And then I have a pair of fleece lined, like water resistant pants from Eddie Bauer that I wore over those. So I just have like two different systems, like very cold, kind of cold. <laughs> and I will, will just alternate between the two based off of, you know, what it's like outside, but the base base layer. So important. People have to find one that really works for them. Yeah. I mean, I think base layering is like the key because like, if you're just in like thick, like fleece and a thick jacket, like that's, you're going to start sweating really fast. Yes. Yep. And that's what I love about my, my wool base layers from Kari Trial. Like when I sweat, it just like, come, it just comes to the outside. <laughs> and I even yesterday, actually we snowboarded in, when we got to the mountain, it was like negative 18. It was ridiculous. The whole drive up, we looked at the, it was negative 31 when we got at one point and I'm like, wow, we're about to go up this mountain. Are we crazy? But I just had my, well, and was that like the feels like temperature or was that like the actual temperature? Cause the feels like is always worse because of the wind. That's what the car was telling us was negative 31. So we're like, so the feels like was probably worse. <laughs> yeah. We're like, this is awesome. It wound up being an amazing day because the sun came out and we were warm, but like yesterday I had my car, trial wool base layer on over the wool, oh, under the wool on top, same thing, just like an Under Armour turtleneck top. And then um, I wore like a nano puff jacket and then my shell, and I just had like my rainproof bottoms on. And I actually was not cold, you know, all day. I will say this for layering in the winter though. I have rain odds. So I like my fingers and my toes get like really cold and they'll turn like yellow or white because I just can't feel them. So I bought, I think there were $50 on Amazon, just heated socks, like a battery pack. I just got some this winter too. Yeah. They're amazing. I wore them yesterday, like saved my toes on the lift. What brand did you get? Oh, I don't know what they're called. Uh, okay. Because I, have you washed yours yet? I'm so scared to wash mine. I, I just hand washed when I got home last night from snowboarding, I hand washed just the foot part. Because like realistically, the part that's over my ankles, over my leggings anyways, but the rest of it, I washed, hand washed the foot part in my sink. <laughs> okay. Cause mine came with like this wash bag and it says you can put it in the washing machine. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't trust that. Mine says it can go in the washing machine in a wash bag, but I'm like all of these wires in here. I don't know. I know. Yeah. I don't know. I know. I'm so <laughs> nervous. Like the wires, wires and water just don't mix. It just doesn't seem right. Yeah. I just, I went, I went ahead and just hand washed the foot portion of my sock. Yeah. But yeah, the heated sucks. Wait. And then you also have like something heated for your hand. So I just actually wear, I wear mittens, but mittens that are like actual, like your fingers are all together. Cause sometimes they make the mittens and they have the individual finger holes within the mitten. And it kind of defeats the purpose because yeah. You can take like a hot hand and just put it in there. You know what I mean? It'll keep all your fingers warm. And then I just have like a fleece, um, I don't like a fleece base layer for my hands. And then my waterproof mittens go over them and my hands stay nice and toasty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all about like layering and like, yeah, like you said, like sometimes that stuff is like expensive. Like, yeah, heated socks are a They're big expense. <laughs> They're not. They're so worth it. Yeah. It's like, if you're going to go out and do this stuff all the time, like proper gear is going to make your experience better. Definitely. 
I agree 100%. The base layers are huge. And then my keeping my toes warm, even more so than my hands. Like my hands, I can always take, like stick with my armpits or something if they're cold. Like my toes are a boot. <laughs> right. Right. And then I'm do wear like a ball clava. Um, I have like a ski hood for when I'm snowboarding that goes either under or over my helmet, however I want to wear it. And that keeps my face pretty warm. Um, but hiking, if it's really cold, I'll pull like my buff up over my nose. Um, but I usually just wear a beanie, like a, I don't know, a hat, like the one I have on, but it's like fleece lined. Oh, you're brave. I always got my ball club on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, like, I feel like I can't breathe, but I, sometimes I snowboard with mine like that. And I'm like, okay, nobody knows who I am. Nobody can see me. <laughs> right. Right. You're like a burglar. Yes. Yes. But a warm burglar. Yes. But winter recreation is, it's just, it's where it's at. If you have the right gear and layers, you know, a trail, the trail that we hiked last week is one of the most popular of the 46. Cause it's an easier trail. Doesn't really get too far into the back country. It's a little over five miles round trip. So people, you know, feel like, Oh, I can try this. And in the summertime it gets packed. Like the parking lot is full. People are like getting shuttled in from another parking lot. And we were up there on the summit with like three other people because it's winter. So people, you know, they, they're not, either they're not prepared or they don't want to, or they're not cold people, which is fine. But if you're willing to kind of invest in the gear and the layering that you need to be toasty, you can see some gorgeous stuff with very few people around. Right. Right. There's some true like magic to the wilderness in the winter. Oh, it's silent. Like if you're hiking and you just stop, you, you truly hear nothing, but you don't see any black bears. still. <laughs> they're all hibernating. <laughs> right. They're, they're maybe a moose. Not that I've seen any of those in the Adirondacks either, but. The Adirondacks sound like super similar to Minnesota as far as like landscape. Well, not landscape. We don't have like mountain mountains, but like a lot of like the wildlife and the weather, like it sounds like very, very similar. So like we're in similar lat- latitude. Yeah. Yeah. I think Think latitude. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Neither of us are geography teachers. So thank goodness. (laughs) that's not something I had to tell my kids. I just remember like an old teacher telling me lat is fat. Yes. So I feel like that's, yeah, we're at the like similar latitudes. I got it. Yeah. That's a rep- I remember that too from class. Lat is fat. Yes. Whoever the teacher was, thanks. <laughs> and for uh, north, south, east, west, I always remember never eat soggy waffles. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I still when I I uh, I do a backpacking unit with my students. Sometimes um, my co-teacher will take them snowshoeing, so they have the choice: they can snowshoe or they can do backpacking with Miss Fortier. And when we backpack, we set up tents one day, like we pack a pack one day, and talk about essentials. And then we do two days of orienteering, like one day learning how to do it. And then the second day is a competition and they have like, you know, all these different options. They're just like poly spots on the floor and they have to walk to certain points and the poly spots are numbered. So like if they get to the right number, then it would be correct. Sometimes they're so bad at orienteering, they end up like, I'm not on a poly spot. I'm like, you did it very wrong then. <laughs> um, and then like, you know, the winner from each class, I bring them like Rice Krispie treats or something and they're so happy, but. That's like one of the things I'm like, okay, north, south, east, west. Like, how can we remember them? And <laughs> so funny. Okay, that sounds so 
so fun though. Like to do for a gym class, like a backpacking course that makes so much sense because you're outside, you're being active. And I bet like the geography teachers are like, way to go gym teacher. Yeah. They, we, we do it in the winter so that their opposite can be snowshoeing. So we, we use the gym, but like they love setting up the tents. Like they think it's so fun. I usually break out my hammock and I'll put it up between like, um, one of the volleyball posts and the, the bleachers and they just like can test it out. I'm like, yeah, lay in it, like whatever. But it's hard, like with funding, we have to use all of our own stuff. So like my, luckily my co-teacher is also outdoorsy. Um, so like we got like two of his tents, like three of my old tents. I bought like a junior tent from Walmart, just different things for them to set up. And they, uh, you know, they definitely enjoy it, but sometimes it's hard because you use your own stuff and then like they break it, even if it's on accident and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that is hard. But you know, there's like a lot of grants, like outdoor teaching is becoming like there's a big movement in it in our country right now. And like, I teach like our preschool, like is an outdoor school. Like we have to go inside if it's, if the feels like is negative 10 or more. Yeah. But, um, generally we're outside all the time and like, there's like a lot of grants out there. So you should look into some of the grants that are out there. I looked into a couple and like had things filled out, but then you need like a certain number from the school and like, a. And like, it's just so hard to get that information from like the, you know, the people, the higher up people. Well, sure. And if like the higher up people aren't like totally like on board with it, you're doing that makes it harder too. Yeah. Yeah. They love it. They're like, they're happy to do it because like kids talk about it and it's different. It's not something most people are doing. So they definitely appreciate that I do it, Yeah. but not, not enough to buy me tents. <laughs> Right. Right. That's hard. Well, you know, another thing you could do is always like, keep your eyes open on, um, Facebook marketplace. Like Mm -hmm. people give stuff away. There's all those like garage sale groups for outdoor gear and stuff. I mean, that's how we've gotten a lot of our gear. Like people Mm -hmm. are just swapping it out all the time. Yeah. I did uh, a couple, when I first started teaching it, I actually went on like, there's a 46er Facebook page for the Adirondacks. And I just typed in there, like anybody have an old tent they don't want anymore. I want to donate to a educational purpose and like two people were like yeah sure where do you want to meet I'll give it to you I'm like my god this is amazing you guys are so nice (laughs) right that's where I got two that's where I got two of my tents that I use for class from that's so awesome I know like the the just passing things along is like a huge there's a huge community of it on online which is great because yeah gear is expensive and like like we were talking about earlier, like, yeah, you do need good gear to get out there and do things. But it's like, if you're just like showing kids at school how to do it, you don't need like the greatest gear. You just need some basic things. The junior 10 from Walmart does the trick. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, I can't even fit in this one. I'm like, (laughs) but you can set it up. You're learning how to set it up. That's what matters. Uh, You can crawl in there. You just can't share with anybody else in class. Too small. Right. Yeah. We set tents up for preschoolers and I mean, you can fit like five of them in the yeah. small tents. <laughs> yeah. They're teeny tiny. Yeah. My middle schoolers are not, some of them are teeny tiny. Some of them are not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that you snowshoe with them too. We're going to be doing that with preschoolers in the next few weeks too. That's so fun. Is it such a pain in the butt to get snowshoes on all their little feet? Yeah. It's a challenge. We, you know, they, their little fine motor skills aren't as advanced as middle schoolers and high schoolers. So yeah, we need to do it. So I'll do like two to three kids at a time and then put my gloves back on, warm my, warm my hands up a bit and then take them off, do them again. Cause it's really hard to do that with your gloves on. 
Yes. Yeah. Even snowboarding yesterday, I have to take like my mittens off to put my bindings in and then put my mittens back on to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a big process. And then like five minutes later, they're like, I want these off. And I'm like, no, keep going. Keep trying. We are still walking in these folks. (laughs) Yep. I love it. I love it. That's like when we go on nature walks and the kids are like, can we turn around yet? I'm like, no, no, we're, we're only a quarter mile in. We're still walking. Like, (laughs) Right. Well, and like, yeah, with middle schoolers, I'd imagine like you, there's got to be a lot more motivation. Like I'm sure some of them really are just ready to be done. It can be very funny. Um, And like last year was great because if we went outside, the kids were able to take their masks off. So it would be like a good incentive. Like guys, we can go for a nature walk today, which means you can be maskless. And they'd be like, oh yes. But this year they don't care as much. So (laughs) they're like, I don't want to go on a nature walk. Bummer. Right. Right. So, okay. Let's talk about like your, your blog a little bit. Um, It looks like you do some trip planning for people too. Um, it's offered on there. I usually wind up only trip planning for like friends and family, which, uh, you know, it, I just do, I do for fun. Cause yeah. I really enjoy it. Um, but it, it is an option on there. I love, I love doing the research for trips. Um, and obviously from my own personal experience, I've been quite a few places. So I have a good, uh, a handle on that. Like I have a, a family member who's going to Yellowstone this summer and she was like, okay, it's like, send me, send me your itinerary and then tell me what me and uncle Ed should do. And I was like, okay, there we go. Um, so I really just do it cause I like it. Um, I feel like part of the planning process is almost as exciting as like getting to go. Like I love doing the planning portion. So, and so does your fiance like the planning portion or is he like way to go? That's all you. He just, he just came to turn on the Bills game and he's looking at me and he's like, I do all the planning. <laughs> That's such a good combo that like, that he does you the driving. It. He does the driving. He does the driving. I do the planning. <laughs> and he'll be like, wait, where are we going tomorrow? I'm like, we're heading to Yellowstone tomorrow. How do you not know? It's on the spreadsheet. <laughs> That's funny. That's like, yeah, my husband and I are opposites. He does all the planning like you, like everything, like every last detail. <laughs> yes. For our trip this past summer, it was on um, like a Google Excel sheet, like a Google sheet and Excel sheet for those of us who are not Google savvy. Um, and every, like all of our free campsites, like the GPS coordinates were like hyperlinked to where they would be in like Google maps and like all the trail options around where we were camping and like distances were all listed. And then, you know, from this, you know, from North, uh, from North Dakota to Yellowstone, it's this many miles, should take this long. <laughs> we could stop here. And it's just all in a spreadsheet. And you can just click on the things if you wanted to, because I'm crazy. And so when you like are going on your trips, are you like using all of the planning that you create like to a T? Or do you feel like it's like overplanned ever? Uh it's I wouldn't say, hmm, I wouldn't say like overplanned per se. I would say it's planned out. And then from there we can make our tweaks. So like we were in North Dakota at Theodore Roosevelt national park and there's a North unit and a South unit. So we went to the North unit first for two days. Um, and we had originally planned for three days there. So we were like, eh, like, you know, we saw everything we need in two days. So let's go to the South unit now. And then after driving around the South unit and doing like a hike or two there, we kind of 
we're like, well, there's this hike that we could do tomorrow. And then we woke up and it was a little rainy. So we were like, eh, let's just drive like to Yellowstone today instead of tomorrow. So there's definitely room for like movement. I would call it like a lateral movement. It's not like you're making any big changes, but no. Right. Lateral, lat, fat movement. <laughs> lat is fat. We got fat movement over here. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, definitely big on the planning, but it makes it easy because when we did decide like, oh, it's rainy. We don't like, why are we going to sit here in our tent all day? It was easy to just look at the next day and say, all right, we're going to head to this potential campsite and it's going to take us this long. And you know, we'll be in Yellowstone a day early. Why? (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think like every, every good travel team has like one of those like really type A planners, I think. Oh, that is 3000% me. (laughs) Um, and so like, where would you say is your favorite place you've traveled? I mean, I guess that's a really broad question. Maybe like one of your, how about your favorite place in the Adirondacks? Okay. Favorite place in the Adirondacks. Like if someone was going there, Mm -hmm. like what would you say they like have to see? If someone was going to the Adirondacks, I would tell them to, first of all, stay like somewhere in the, like the Keene, Saranac, Lake Placid area. They're like, that's like the Northern part and where like the heart of the high peaks are. Um, Lake Placid is gorgeous. We were just there celebrating our anniversary last weekend. And there's so many like ranges of hotels, like gorgeous, really nice, bougie, fancy hotels. You can stay in like a more motel style. There are Airbnbs in the summertime. You know, there's places you can camp like campgrounds, and there's a few free campsites in the area. Um, And the town itself is gorgeous. So many like restaurant options and shopping and like there's the Olympic Museum. And then on top of that, there are so many different recreational opportunities. Uh, You can ski whiteface, you can hike 46ers, you can hike smaller mountains, you can go paddle, um, you can ice skate. There's, you can mountain bike. (laughs) He's He's giving me the mountain biking motion in the kitchen. Like you Don't forgot forget that. <laughs> yeah. You can mountain bike up there. There's really just, there's so much to do um, in that space. And it's like in the heart of the mountains, when you stand in the town of Lake Placid and you look around, you're, you're looking at mountains. So it is definitely beautiful. Um, and there's a lot of really amazing places in the Adirondacks. But if someone said, I have one opportunity to go, where should I stay? I would say in the Lake Placid region. Okay. And so is that your favorite area or where's your favorite area? I know I gave you two questions at once before. <laughs> it's, that's definitely my favorite area because I can do all that intense hiking that I like to do. Um, but we also, we live about an hour from the Old Forge area and Old Forge is really beautiful too. Smaller mountains, smaller town, but all the same opportunities. Great mountain biking, really nice skiing and snowboarding. There's a lot of cross-country skiing tons of hiking and paddling. It's just like on a smaller scale. It's like mini Lake Placid. Okay. Okay. And I'm sure that you've posted like a handful of blogs about all of this on your website. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I have a whole bunch of like best hikes in Old Forge and that's like the smaller one. Um, I definitely have plenty of stuff about Lake Placid on there between restaurants and hiking. So yeah. You're like specialized in Adirondacks. Yes. I, it's like, I have a whole Adirondacks area and then like national park stuff. 
Yeah. So, and your blog is called Expedition Education. Is that just like tying like your love of travel and education together or where did that come from? It definitely ties the two together. But then on top of that, I feel like uh, when you're exploring, you're learning, whether you're learning about yourself or like the space that you are, you know, exploring or adventuring in. So kind of that combination of, yes, I like to explore and I am a teacher, but also you're educating yourself while you're doing it. And then I'm going to use my blog, my platform to, to educate um, others about spaces or what they can do better in spaces or how they can get outside. Right. Yeah. How they can get outside and educate, like recreate responsibly. Right. Exactly. Like with no trace and yeah, like my, one of my most popular posts is about free campsites in the Adirondacks. And like, that's one of the big things in there. Like leave no trace, leave it better than you found it. If you show up to the campsite and there's garbage, please take it with you. Even if it's not yours, you know, like all those little things on there. And to know that so many people read that article, I just like have my fingers crossed that they read that and go like, oh, maybe I should pick up somebody else's garbage, even if it's not mine. Yeah. You know, the free campsites like are so trash, like all the people come in on the weekends and it's just like beer cans are everywhere at those free sites. Like, and like wherever you're camping for free, it's a huge problem now. Yeah. We went last March and, uh, in the fire, there were beer cans and some other stuff. And in the morning when we left, I just had a bag and I was using a stick and like just putting things in the bag. And, but you know, that's, that's one of the big things too, for, you know, for the blog as well is just like, yeah, you're coming here because you want to find a nice hike in the Adirondacks, but can you also take this information about, you know, staying below 4,000 feet during mud season or, you know, not going to the bathroom right on the trail, whatever it may be. Like, can you take this information with you when you go do that hike? Right. Exactly. Well, and especially like with the popularity of all trails and all just outdoor recreation rising in the last few years, especially since COVID, it's like that information needs to be out there and utilized because the use is just going up so much. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of people, you know, and me included, like sometimes we complain about like, oh, it's so popular. It's so busy. This is getting trashed, right? There's so much stuff here, but at the same time, and you know, people need to take responsibility for their themselves. Like, do they have that information? Do they know that they're not supposed to really do, you know what I mean? Do they know what they're really supposed to do? Obviously you should know that you shouldn't leave garbage places, but like with going to the bathroom, like some people probably don't really realize like, Oh, I'm outside. I can go to the bathroom wherever I want. Well, not really. Like there's you know, some specifics involved in that, or even just like, Oh, I'll leave my apple core over here or my banana peel because that's you know, that's natural. Well, like a banana peel is not natural to New York. <laughs> Can't right. really, shouldn't leave that there. And I think that people aren't necessarily doing it maliciously, but they just don't know. So if you provide them with that education, then at least they have the tools to do the right thing. And then if they choose not to do the right thing, then maybe I don't like them anymore. But, <laughs> but if they right. know and then they make a difference, then that's great. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just getting that education out there. Exactly. All right. So, and what is your blog called if people want to find it? Um, if they typed in expeditionedu.com, they would get there or expedition education blog. I own both of those domain names. So either one would get them to, to the blog itself. Perfect. You're smart to buy both. So they just get redirected. <laughs> expedition edu. Yeah. I just, I was like, oh, I like that one too. I'll just have that one also. <laughs> 
<laughs> no. So someone owns when you said that, like, so we have hiking through life.net, but someone owns the com, and they've like reached out to us a couple of times asking us to buy it. And we still haven't, but we like keep thinking like, maybe we should. So they just get redirected. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. They would just get redirected to us. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad strategy. <laughs> right. Right. Well, awesome. Um, is there anything else you want to add or touch on? We've kind of bounced all over. Just have a have a serious love for the Adirondacks. Would love for people to come and enjoy it as well. But also we we love our national park adventures. And as teachers, that's kind of what we uh we live our summers for like, let's go on this trip here. So I have a plethora of national park knowledge as well as Adirondack knowledge that I'd love to share with anybody. So if anybody listening does find the blog or wants to reach out to me, I love to share just because I love getting people out there. So she loves creating spreadsheets. I do. I love making Google docs. I'm, I'm a crazy person. So people ask to see them and they're like, wow. <laughs> When I sent it to my aunt because she wants to go to Yellowstone this summer, she was like, this is very detailed. I said, yep, have fun. But all that detail is probably helpful. They will be happy that they had it. Yeah. And they're free campsite lovers too. So they'll be really excited about my GPS coordinates that will get them wherever they want to go for free. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. No, that's great. My husband's just like that. I appreciate that. I appreciate (laughs) it. Sometimes I feel like a crazy person. My fiance is like... I'll like send him spreadsheets. I'm like, okay, what do you think about this for this summer? I sent him one like the other day this morning. I'm like, Hey, do you ever look at that spreadsheet? He goes, no, that sounds like my response to my husband. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right, I guess we're not going there then. It wasn't intriguing enough. It didn't bring in. You just need to present it in a different way than a spreadsheet. I should, I should present it as like seven mountain bike parks. We're going to all of them. And then then he would sit on it. Yes. That's that's my new method. Yes. Just a different presentation form. No hiking, all mountain biking. I'm like, all right, I'm in. There. All right. Well, awesome. Um, Have you been on other podcasts or no? I have not. This is my first podcast that I've been on. Cool. Well, you were like so awesome and just like so comfortable. Like, way to go. Thanks. It was fun. I like it. Like talking to people, meeting new people, chit chatting. All right. Well, this has been so fun. I know you have a football game to go watch. Let's go Buffalo. Yes. Buffalo. Buffalo Bills. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. You got okay. it. Buffalo Bills. Go Buffalo Bills. Yes. I'll be rooting for them. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Thank you. Have an awesome night. I hope the Bills win. Thank you. Me too. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace love and hike through life.